0: welcome everybody to the comedy castle podcast i'm joel fragameni your host this week we're talking comedy at the comedy castle my guest is our most frequent guest that we've ever had on this show we love him david dyer he's your headliner this weekend and we'll uh well i'll tell you more about that interview i had a lot of fun talking to dave but uh before that I want to just talk about uh, what's going on this week at the Comedy Castle. And it is a a big week. Again, not lying when I say that. Because Tuesday starts out with St. David's Help for Haiti. That's Tuesday, October 24th. It's early at 5.30 p.m. because there's dinner and followed by a show with your headliner, Crystal P., who uh, is a funny lady who started around the same time as me. Me and Crystal have been down the road a bit together, and I love her. And uh, it's going to be a, you know, she put, she puts on a great show. And there's dinner. And uh, you can find more about this fundraiser if you go to ComedyCastle.com. You will buy tickets on their website, HaitiOutreachMission.org. Uh, They're supporting uh, a clinic, the St. Pierre Medical Clinic in Mirabalas, Haiti. So that's a, you know, Haiti's got its issues and you can help out by coming to the Comedy Castle this week and watching a great show, having dinner. All right. That's Tuesday, the 24th, Wednesday, October 25th, the Comedy Class Showcase, Comedy 101. We got the students of that class performing for you at 730 p.m. And that's always a good time. Seeing all the new students of the 101 comedy class coming out. I talked to Dave Dyer a lot about comedy class. Well, you'll hear that in the interview and also a quick plug for my next comedy class, the advanced comedy class, where some of these folks from this showcase on the 25th could be in my next comedy class, which starts November 4th. You can call the Comedy Castle to sign up for a beginner class or my advanced comedy class at 248-542-9900. And then uh, this weekend, of course, David Dyer for uh, three five shows, three nights. He's a four-time guest appearing over three nights for five shows. That's enough math for right now. 7.30 p.m. Thursday, 7.15 and 9.45 on Friday the 27th. And Saturday, October 28th, 7 p.m. and 9.30. Come see Dave. Come see the great Ken Witzkull who's uh, going to be the MC. Ken's hilarious; I love him. And the feature act is a guy named Mike Bustler, who I don't know, but you'll hear uh, uh, Dave talk about him in this interview. He's a comic from Grand Rapids, who I don't believe I've ever met, but he is on the show, and you'll hear uh, you'll hear a little bit about him in the interview with Dave. It's been a crazy week around here with football. What are we, some odd football games this weekend? No. Lions got killed. Michigan State got killed. I was talking to somebody Saturday night. I said, "You know, hey, win or lose, it's all good with the Spartans because they're drunk." <laughs> Sorry if you're a Spartan fan, but that's kind of true. I mean, maybe a maybe a couch was saved from being burned this weekend when you get trounced by the Wolverines. I don't know. I'm not big. I and people say, "Where do you fall on Michigan, Michigan State?" And I say. I didn't go to either. <laughs> they wouldn't let me in. I really don't care, uh, and I don't. But I know you do. A lot of you do. So it's, it's always fun to have a rival, right? Rivalry comedy works a little different. Comedy rivalries are not as fun. <laughs> All right, but let's talk about Dave Dyer. Let's talk about that interview. Uh, it's uh, it's a good talk a lot of it is comedy and it really starts you know I normally I like to introduce the guest get you going that way but look it's his fourth time on the show he did all those previous interviews uh, with Tom McCarthy but he's asking me questions about comedy class and that's how the interview starts so we'll start with that Uh, We go through some memories of comedy, some I I give him uh, scenarios for why he is so frequently at the Comedy Castle, which I thought were kind of funny. He'll tell you about uh, one of the worst shows he ever did in the afternoon. I enjoyed that story. Uh, We'll talk about clubs that are never that are not around anymore, like Chaplin's Comedy Club and uh, the Comedy Den in Grand Rapids. You'll also hear a story about the great Kevin Meany, who is also no longer with us who was a frequent headliner at the comedy castle. And I, I, for my money, one of the funniest comics I ever saw Kevin Meany, you'll hear a great story about him too. So look, Dave's great. He's got an awesome show. It's, it's, it's clean enough where you can bring your mom this weekend out to the club. You can bring your, 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 you know, your kids. If they're old enough, if they're 18 and up, you bring them out and they'll have a good time too. great show. Great comic. I enjoyed this interview. And also, before we get into it, I will tell you, uh, I'm going to have a special message for you at the end. Uh, uh, something uh, uh, something that's kind of made this week a little bit tougher in uh, the Detroit comedy community and how you can help. But we'll get to that after the interview. So let's send it over to my talk with Dave Dyer.
1: Do you feel... Do you feel... Well, geez, I don't want to ruin your business model right now. (laughs) Do you feel you can truly teach comedy?
0: Okay, no. I say no in the sense that I can't make people funny that aren't funny. I don't think.
1: Okay, then we're on the same page.
0: I feel that comedy is an art form, and the writing of comedy is a creative thing that you do. But I also feel that being a comedian is a trade. It's not unlike being a plumber. You're an independent contractor, and there's things that you need to do to be successful, and part of that is not unlike a plumber being an apprentice to a master plumber, or if you're a carpenter, master carpenter, and you work as their apprentice. And as comedians, I feel like you need those people, and I think when you take a class with me or Bill Bouchard at the club, that's what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Is you're getting, you know, like what Bill Hildebrandt was to me. I don't know if you had a guy that... You know, kind of oh, you sure. took yeah, you around, yeah. open for him, and all that stuff.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. That's um, kind of how I look at it. Well, and I agree with you. I, I, there are people who just simply are not funny, and I don't think they're put here <laughs> to be funny. My oldest yeah. brother is one of them. My oldest brother is yeah. a guy who is always, you know, trying to make you laugh. I, I don't think in my fifty-five years I've ever laughed at my brother. Yeah. My <laughs> brother. But but I do think there's people who maybe have some in mm-hmm. there yeah. that, you know, I can see the value of a class like that where the, you can kind of show them, you know, here's this setup. Here's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to take them down the street and then take a left turn at the end and, yeah. Yeah. you know, and teach them the format. of
0: It's, it. it's that, and, it, and it's also sort of, you know, how, uh, you know, how to present yourself to the audience, thinking yeah. about uh, a persona, think about yourself as a character and yep. the sort of and then writing the jokes from the perspective of that persona, and right. it, which which sort of takes you, you, you step away from yourself a little bit and mm-hmm. sort of write in this direction. So while what you're saying is things that you believe and you believe that they are true, it's not exactly who you are. It's sort of an yeah. exaggerated version of part of your personality.
1: Right. If uh, you were like this all the time, nobody would like you.
0: Well, we know comics that are like that all the time, and we don't like them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. The guys that
0: are on all the time. But here's the thing about comedy, and uh, and I, I feel, and I don't know, I guess I didn't see you real early in your career, right? I had mm-hmm. met you. You were already sort of established, um, and um, but I feel like there are guys who aren't very good at the beginning. Yeah. But I think through this, like I talk about learning it as a trade, they do it enough. And if you keep an ear open to what the audience likes and you just do more of that, they will pick it up. And I'm not going to name names here because I think that's insulting to say, boy, that guy used to suck eggs. And now he's now he's successful, you know. Um, But I certainly know those people who, by pure attrition, have done it and are working comics and they got a career and you know it's not like the guy like you know am i my driving myself out of town to watch one of their shows no but you know they they
1: can do it and they're doing well yep and you know i think i think at the beginning i know for myself certainly at the very beginning um I, i did okay pretty quickly, but I certainly had my share of bombs and quiet nights. Yeah. And, and yeah. everybody has those. Yeah, you, do. you know, if you ever hear the guy who's like, oh, I've never really bombed, that there's no way in hell yeah, that he that's means, true. There's no way that's true. Probably
0: means he's bombing every night or he's a hack yeah. or something. You know,
1: there's a couple options. But you know, you the, the funny thing is, is you kind of look back on your career and you look at all the different styles that you tried out. Yeah. You know, I tried being loud, fast-paced guy. I tried being quieter you know more introspective guy and ultimately the audience kind of helps shape you absolutely the audience, like like you said the audience will tell you what's funny exactly. about you if you're yeah. listening it, and it, that's where you kind of start to start to hone things but look at I've done it for 30 31 oh, years really now. okay that's awesome and I still there's still changes I make all the time in the way I present mm-hmm. something the way I do something and you're always going you know what I did this a little different tonight and it worked better. And, you know, you kind of shape things, things are always changing. I mean, I am who I am and I feel like I've, you know, presented myself the way I am for many, many years mm. now, but it takes a long time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you it was, I bet you it was 15 years in before I was like, okay, I'm I'm comfortable with who I am on stage mm. and let's, let's, keep sailing forward with this.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear because when you're starting out, you don't have any perspective. And then it's like, I wanted this gig and they're not giving it to me or this booker doesn't pass me and I can't work that club. And why do this anymore? I should just quit because I'll never get anywhere. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, quitters never get anywhere. It's it's just a matter of just keep doing it. And I mean, people will get and I think in comedy, like you get better by doing it without knowing that you're getting better. Yeah. Like you don't you hear don't. your progression, but other people will, you know, people will say yeah. to you, I saw you two years ago. You're so much better now. I'm like, I yep. nah, i don't, I think I'm doing, I thought I was great then. What are you talking about? I'm good now. I, you know? And it, it, I you think don't know. probably the biggest compliment
1: I get is um, like last year when I did uh, every year in Thanksgiving, I do my home club here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I do it the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving yeah. every year. And a lot of friends and family who go to it and like, my buddies, you know, th- th- a big compliment to me is when somebody says, like a buddy of mine, a guy who's not in comedy will come mm-hmm. up and say, you know, uh, the guy who was a feature was, you know, he was great. But, man, you can just tell when you take the stage, it just goes up a level right yeah. away. Yeah. You, know, you you know, You know, you kind of hit that stage and you kind of take command and you let people know there's a reason my name's on the ticket. You know, I'm the one who's supposed to be here. Yeah. And you just, you know, you just take them for a ride for an hour. Yeah,
0: And do and do you feel like you threw a switch and made that happen or was it just organically
1: a progression? I think it was organic and I think it just came along with, a, you know, like I said, that certain point in your career where you're kind of comfortable with who you are on stage and that lets you, develop that confidence and when you get confidence, when you get not arrogance or cockiness, but when you get confidence mm-hmm, yeah people sense that right away when you get on stage, yeah. that immediately puts the crowd at ease mm-hmm. and they're able to kind of sit there and go, all right, let's let's sit back. This is gonna be fun. Yeah.
0: You
1: yeah. know, when you immediately establish who you are and yeah. establish that confidence, it changes the whole tone of the show.
0: I agree. Yeah. Get 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 it. let them know you're funny right away. Yep. Because and I mean you don't,
1: you don't have to come out with a lampshade on your head or <laughs> ballistic right off the bat, but just the way you carry yourself on stage. And yeah. like I said, it's not an arrogance, but it's like, a, yeah. I'm comfortable up here. Just relax. We're going to have fun for the next I, hour. I tell
0: my students, I say, you got to look like a comedian. Yeah. And I, people don't kind of get that. And I go, no, if you look like a comedian, they're going to feel at ease. They're going to yeah. feel like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. And if yep. you feel like if the audience thinks you know what you're doing, They're going to treat you like you know what you're doing, whether you know what you're doing or not. But that's a huge advantage. And then eventually you'll know what you're doing and everything's great. But, uh, yeah, you got to you got to look the part. And sometimes I say to some of my like older students, you know, I got guys and got a guy in his 60s in my class. And I go, you know, you get on stage and, you know, people might think you've been doing comedy for 40 years because you're of that age. So that's yeah. a huge advantage versus a kid, you know, a kid out of high school or a kid out of college yep. uh, who
1: looks like he's brand new. Yeah. And I also I try to whenever whenever younger comics ask, ask me advice, I don't like giving advice to people on material. Yeah, I don't like, you know, if somebody asks me, hey, should I do jokes about this or should I do a joke a certain way? Because going back to I think the audience helps you shape your material. Yeah. But exactly. what I do tell them is this: I, I say, work on the pace of the show, okay that, that's a huge thing, not not, not fast or slow. It, it has to fit your style and your delivery, but you know what you want to do is you want to elevate the crowd right away and you want to keep them up there. you know you don't want peaks and valleys. You don't right. want to have to constantly be coming back and working for that laugh every bit. yeah keep yeah them, keep riding up there. and then I also tell them this. If they like you, they'll listen to you. Yeah. And that can come in all different forms by the way you present yourself, you know, the way you look or whatever. But if they like you, yeah. they will listen to you.
0: Yeah, that's that's all good
1: advice there. And here's the I thing mean, think about okay. the comedians like like you know, like a Kathleen Madigan. Kathleen's just a phenomenal joke writer. Mm-hmm. She's a great comedian, but she's also just incredibly likable. Kathleen walks on stage and you instantly go, I love this lady. Yeah. She's, she becomes your
0: friend. You, you you know, you see sort of, you're listening to her, like, you know, you're having coffee with one of the girls and you're listening, you know, and it's like the, it's the funniest friend you've never had is Kathleen Madigan. When she's on stage talking to you, it's great. Yeah. And I tell young comics this too. I always say, I say, you know, you can be really good. You know, your first show is great. Your second show is great. Whatever the first six months you're killing it. Like that doesn't mean you're going to make it more than the guy who's eaten shit. You know, the first few times they go on stage, it's, it is not, you know, you what if you think, you know what you're doing and you've only been doing it for a few months. Yeah. You really don't. And, uh, you know, everyone's, it's how much you put into it. You know, I talk about, I talk about the number of shows you do is more indicative of where you're at than how long you've been doing it in the sense yeah. of, you know, I say a hundred shows is your first year in comedy. That's my sort of metric.
1: Yeah. I would say that's, good. Shows. that's a good measure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Go out twice a week. That's a year. You go out three times a week. It's eight months or whatever it is. Right. Yep. You go out once a month. It's a long time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. Yep. You it, will not get better doing that. And
0: people pass you by. That's what you don't yeah. want to do is get passed by. That that stings if you get passed by, right?
1: Sure, you know, because there are people out there who are willing to work super hard at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So,
1: That's it. You got it. Well,
0: you've been working hard. I'm going to tell you a little statistic that I looked up today about you. Okay, you in this show. Uh, I believe this is un. I'm going to call this official. I say it's unofficial. I could go through the records here, but the most frequent guest on the Comedy Castle podcast, right here. I really. This is Dave Dyer. This nice. is your this is your fourth appearance. It's it's your first with me as the host, but with Tom, you did three shows with Tom McCarthy, going Tom all the way fired? back to 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just we took him out back and just put one, you know, put one between his eyes and said that's enough. No, he, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Tom, uh, you know, Tom's busy with Tom stuff, his day job yeah. and and his comedy career, and he's. He was he was at an F1 race this weekend, Tom McCarthy. Oh,
1: was it though? did he yeah. go to the race in Austin? I
0: think so. Yeah, the Circuit of him. the Americas if that is that where yep, that is. Yeah, Circuit of the Americas. Yeah. That's yep. where he was. So Tom's living a great life. We love Tom. He'll be, he'll be back on the show. I mean, I, I think I, well when he, when he headlined the show last time, when he actually headlined the club last time, I interviewed him. Okay. <laughs> so we did a show that way. But yeah, I mean, I've been <laughs> I've produced all of the shows. Yeah, and i just since the beginning of the year I've been hosting him. But yeah, you're most frequent guest. Right. So I look at you as sort of the Tom Hanks or Steve Martin to Saturday Night Live.
1: Ah, we're the that's most right. frequent. You know,
0: you get the robe and the pipe and the slippers. That's what
1: uh, that's what you got on this show. Well, when somebody else gets four, then we're going to have to do <laughs> yeah. a podcast together with that person. <laughs> I'm Who's trying. Behind? Does somebody have three? Uh,
0: I Adam Degey has at least three. I think Adam Degey has Ooh. three. I just had Adam on. Okay. And he has three. And so I but I look. I mean Adam's
1: a good friend of mine. Adam so. is
0: I was gonna say I, I don't want yeah. you guys to I don't want this to drive a wedge between you.
1: <laughs> you Do know,
0: it. I I certainly don't want that. And uh create
1: some drama. The real the real housewives of the Grand
0: Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Adam Deggy versus Dave Dyer. Vote you got it. <laughs> vote. Call in at nah, I have nothing to call in. But it's great that, you know, well well, here's what it says to me. Okay, you're One is you're willing to talk, which is fantastic, because there are guys who I never get a hold of and don't return my calls or their managers and assistants don't. And that's kind of annoying. But the other thing is that means you're a very frequent visitor to the Comedy Castle.
1: Yeah, I do it every year. Yeah. I already have my I don't remember when it is, but I already have my date for next year.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But this weekend, though, could be the last time you're at the Comedy Castle, Dave. So Why come this, we're trying to sell tickets for this week, Oh, Dave. I got you.
1: That's <laughs> it. I got a bunch of new stuff, too. I got you. Well, no, it's, I'm it's, not it's, good I, at the marketing. You know what? You know what it
0: is? I was speaking, uh, I was on the phone with Melissa Hager yesterday. It was okay, friend, yeah. And she goes, I said, you know, I'm talking to Dave Dyer tomorrow night. And she goes, uh, oh, oh, I'm opening for Dave at the castle. I go, oh, so I'll see you this week. And she goes, oh, no, it's next year. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, Dave's Look, but here's my theory. I wrote down a few theories and you tell me if you think these are the reason I have three of them. I, I, none of these could be correct or these could okay. be correct. I have three okay. different theories. You tell me what you think. Here's possibility. Number one, Dave Dyer is a great comedian who always puts on a great show. That's well, theory. I, I like to think so. You like that? Okay. Let me go to the next one okay. that I think that might be the most flattering one I wrote down, but let's go to the next, next one. Uh, Dave Dyer is a decent comic who works cheap. Any truth that, to that? That may be a bigger reason. all right. And I have a uh, theory number three. Okay. Dave Dyer is a nice guy, and Mark Ridley will keep giving you weekends until you get it right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, that may be a better question for Mark.
0: yeah, I, you know what? yeah, I, I, I could ask him, but uh, yeah, no, but I mean, the fact that you're there that much, obviously, Number one is the correct answer because. Well, let,
1: let's, let's, oh, hopefully, maybe it's between one and two. How about that? We go one and a half. One and a half. Well, look. I you... love working that club, though. You know, Mark, you know, for uh, maybe not a lot of people know, but years ago, he used to manage mm-hmm. a, a group of comics, and I was one of those. And it was just, uh, it was just, he's just always been the greatest guy. And people, don't know that, you know, when we go around the country and work, we work all these different clubs, there are varying levels of treatment that you get, Mm -hmm. um, from, from different clubs and club owners and stuff like that. And the way you're treated at the castle is just top notch and it's a great club and they always get good crowds in there. And Mark's just a wonderful guy. And, uh, it's just, I think it's a place that people just look forward to working. working Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you, people and people look forward to to coming to, and, and, uh, as opposed to other places. And again, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I mean, you know, the thing about, uh, you would have seen, I mean, 31 years, you would have come in where the eighties boom was over. Yeah.
1: Does that sound about right? Yeah. Cause I started in the early nineties and yeah. it was comedy was kind of almost on its way down because yeah. there was tremendous saturation. You know, there was a stretch there in the late eighties where there was a comedy club on every corner yeah. and you you could be a feature, Back then, making mm-hmm. a thousand bucks a week, yeah, you know, yeah. and and yeah. it just got too much. People just got sick of it.
0: Yeah, and then there was like this kind of this big contraction that would have been like the two thousands, maybe the early, you know early tens, where yeah. like everything started closing. Yep. And then now in the last you know five years, six years, it feel like
1: things are opening up now, and there's all these new opportunities. They are, ironically, there aren't. in my, I mean, there are some new clubs opening up around the country, but I don't think a ton of them, but I think a lot of people are doing it, doing it in all different formats now, you know, people are doing shows like the don't tell shows all all over the place. So I think there's, there's a lot of people coming up with creative ways to, to do it. Um, that don't necessarily go into, in, in clubs, but there are still, you know, the, the the great places like Mark's club are always going to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but boy, a lot of them have closed.
0: Yeah. Do you miss any of those? You got any memories of
1: you know a closed
0: what? club that you – or a closed club? That was just so crazy that it should have been closed long before you did it. <laughs>
1: it was you know like, something? That, I, I was, I'm was. i glad you headed down that road yeah. because, boy, I, I tell you, you know, when you're a younger guy and you hear about those places closing, you're like, oh, my gosh, did you hear such and such close? Yeah. But then as you get older and you've worked at these places and you've seen how they're run, a lot of them that close, you're like, oh, they should have been yeah. closed a while.
0: Okay. Yeah, they were looking to close. They they were they were looking know. to
1: close and uh they didn't deserve to be open. Yeah.
0: There was I so. tell this story and I did it once. Maybe you have a memory of it. The Grand Rapids place that had an
1: ice rink. The Comedy Den. Is that what that was? Okay, the Comedy Den. Yes, I did that's where I started. Well okay. I started actually the- my first comedies, i did open mics at connections in lansing but the first club yeah. that i played in was at the uh, the comedy yeah, i den, couldn't you know, remember grand the
0: rapids. name of it yeah
1: yeah well here's what it was it was a facility that there used to be and when the comedy den was open the ice rink was gone but there used okay. to be an ice rink there and there was a there was a semi pro hockey team called the grand rapids grizzlies okay and up above on this kind of terrace above the uh, ice rink was a was a um was a bar called the Grizzly Den okay. and they started having comedy in there. So on the nights they had comedy, they would call it the comedy den. Ah. And then eventually the ice rink closed and the hockey team left town and they moved it downstairs and they okay. continued calling it the comedy den. Yeah. Now when I started Joel, that place was actually great. The oh, guy okay. That uh, was fantastic at marketing it. And like what he would do is like about every eight weeks we, he'd have like a big name in there. And so what that did was it <laughs> it kind of brought the level of the club up. Oh, and okay. Like, hey, you know, I don't know who's there this week, but they have so-and-so there, you know, from time to time. So it's got to be a great club. Yeah. And then he would get them on doing all kinds of radio <laughs> and motion. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know but all did that. It. Yeah, it I, changed hands and uh, just kind of got driven. I,
0: I must have done like the very end. I mean, and, and what I did there actually was a like guest set audition for funny business okay that's what i did there for mark colo that was my uh yeah that's what i did mark was a great guy (laughs) yeah great guy he's still not answering his phone that's what i guess (laughs) that's what i'm guessing all these years later uh he still goes right to voicemail um yeah uh but yeah so i mean that stuff has changed i mean i remember you know the chaplains and yep sitting at the back of chaplains and and hearing the pins being knocked down in the bowling alley on the other side of the wall i remember that
1: not, not only that do you remember that room that was that that place seated three hundred and fifty people yeah. it was a huge room it was a former discotheque mm-hmm. that they didn't do anything to change the decor in not there. at all and i can I can remember one night I was featuring i had i wasn't headlining any voice yet but I was featuring there. And in that humongous room, there were six people. There was a wow. table of four, four people up front who were all just hammered. And then there was, <laughs> there was a couple sitting way in the back. Oh, wow. And we're all sitting there going, there's no way they're going to have us do a show, right? And then <laughs> sure enough, the owner comes up and goes, All right, let's get started. <laughs> we did the show for those six oh, people. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean that
0: place was a big deal, I get the feeling, and you know, in its heyday, but uh yeah. I mean again, even when I went there it was you know, we'd have a big act and and you know, I, I don't know that they ever maybe I saw it sold out once, maybe. Yeah. You know, but it just sort of like uh it really was kind of sad at the end. And I, I yeah, you know, you almost feel bad for the people, but uh you know, it is what it is, man.
1: It is people
0: man. move on, they get the vibe. This ain't the place to be. So uh <laughs> Going to the castle. And somewhere else. Well, hey, look. Hey, hopefully the comedy castle doesn't get that vibe. Right. We try not I, to.
1: I don't think it will.
0: Yeah. We're doing all right. Yep. But um yeah, man. So uh so you are uh we're, how many weeks a month are you working at this point? What's, what's uh, the schedule probably, looking
1: like? At least I'm doing a couple weekends a month. You know, I have, I have another job. Yes. I know if, you know, I'm a firefighter, yes. so My schedule kind of dictates, you know, when I can do shows. But the nice thing is, is we do a kind of uh, an interesting schedule over the course of nine days. You know, we do 24 hour shifts. Uh, I'll work a day on, a day off, a day on, day off and another day on. And then I have four days off. So a lot of those four all on weekends and stuff like that. So I can still do shows. And also I'm able to trade shifts with other people and, okay. yeah. and do things like that. So, you know, I'm able to get, you know, make some days available. Well, that's so,
0: the, and that's the dream in a sense. And I, I think yeah. that's changed since I started in that, you know, it used to be, well, if you have a day job, it holds you back because you can't do comedy when you want to. And then uh-huh. it becomes, well, if you have a day job, you can turn down some of these crummy gigs that people are offering you because you're not desperate
1: for the money, you know? It, yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, yeah. When you, when you first started, you're like, I got to do everything that's offered to me. And then you get to a certain point and you realize, eh, I don't have to do that one.
0: You know, yeah. I was no, going, but- I was going to the UP in February. Yo, gosh. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was like insane. It was like, what yeah. am I doing? Uh, I mean, I'm doing this and you know what I made, you know, $400 or something. And it was like, yeah. you know, okay, was, that's great money. All right, let's get that, you know, and it's like, man, the hell. Yeah. Could have could have
1: died on those trips. I can I can remember driving like five hours to do like fifteen minutes somewhere. Yeah, yeah. you know, just nuts. Yeah. Well, so.
0: I'm glad you you know you get success. That's one of the spoils of success, right? You yes. Yes. Pick when and you choose when
1: a, you work. Become a mediocre comic who works cheap. The doors open up for you, <laughs> right? I I don't I don't we don't book any
0: mediocre comics at the Comedy Castle, <laughs> so I wouldn't know. We can yeah. go see it, though. I'm not going to say. But, yeah, you can go, <laughs> you can go to some yeah, place there's places you can see it. <laughs> and I don't even know that it's meteor. I mean, look, I think anybody doing comedy is good. I think at the end of the day, you know, the more people that enjoy comedy, if you're doing it well, like we are at the Comedy Castle, it all sort of funnels back. Sure. You know, because yeah. if you go to a place and it's not great, and you tell somebody, "Yeah, I went to this place. It wasn't so great." And they go, "Have you been to the Comedy Castle?" And they go, "No." And they go, "You need to go there because that's who does it right."
1: Yeah, that's really a good show. So they yep. all
0: kind of funnel back, you know,
1: yeah. to to us, which is cool, you know. Yeah, the, these pancakes were good. The pancakes at the castle—you got to go eat. The pancakes <laughs> at
0: the there are sold? there are no pancakes on the menu, so I don't <laughs> want any audience members complaining that you promised. would
1: that them- be great if there were? Who doesn't love?
0: Breakfast for, dinner. <laughs> Breakfast for dinner is fantastic, but oh, you know, wouldn't you, it, wouldn't you love it
1: if they served stuff at the castle?
0: Uh, it would smell fantastic, I'm sure, oh, yeah. to have you know, bacon and pancakes and stuff going. Yeah, maple syrup walking <laughs> over the crowd, It'd be great. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, well, we have nachos and popcorn, which <laughs> you know,
1: the pop- you used to have pizza? You had pizza. Well, there was while. there
0: was a there was a pizza phase, which basically involved ordering pizza. Yeah, the pizza coming in and us putting into like a pizza warmer and then people would order it and we would just sell the pizza that the guy delivered, you know, at six o'clock all yeah. night. Uh, right. And then it became, you know, we had a, another restaurant preparing our food and they have in and uh, on and off struggled with staffing and struggled with keeping up with the pace of orders. And so it just became a thing where we can't have hot food anymore. Yeah, we haven't figured out a way to do it. We don't have a full kitchen at the Comedy Castle. It doesn't work that way. But if Mark Ridley's listening, maybe this pancake thing can take
1: off. Why not? <laughs> I, I've got a bag of pancakes in my freezer. You mic three of them for ninety seconds and you got breakfast. That's it. So maybe your weekend, maybe
0: this weekend should be the test of
1: pancakes. Yes, let's do it. Breakfast <laughs> with Dave. That's the theme for the
0: whole weekend. Breakfast with, with Dave. Two shows, seven to nine thirty on Saturday. Get your breakfast. Yep.
1: <laughs> I would love that. I don't know. Yeah. People don't. I, uh, I wouldn't go on stage and be eating all the pancakes in the green yeah.
0: room. Yeah. I was going to say, what if you do a morning show when you serve pancakes? But yes. I don't think, does comedy work in the morning? Do you think people can
1: watch um, comedy show?
0: Maybe not.
1: Well, I mean, well, think of morning radio shows. I do, guess, it, yeah. Kind of. kind of does work that way. Yeah. People are. I'll tell you what doesn't is lunchtime shows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, let me, tell, let me tell you, I'll tell you this story okay. about what I did last year. It was a private show. Absolute nightmare. Um, I got hired to to perform here in Grand Rapids for this event. It was for these environmental companies or something like this. And I was contacted by this person who said, hey, we'd like to do something different. You know, they're going to be listening to these these trade you know, oriented speeches and presentations all day long. We'd like to throw in something a little different. So we'd like to do a comedy thing. And we just want you to do like 20, 25 minutes. That's all. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, we'll give it a try. But I specifically told this person, I said, okay, here are the rules though. Uh, don't put me on after a break uh, because people are going to be filtering back yeah, in. Absolutely. And, and don't put me on after a break and don't put me on during lunch when people are eating. Yeah. And she goes, okay, got it. No problem. So I get there the day of the event, and I pick up the agenda. <laughs> Where do you think I'm set? Uh, after lunch or during lunch? After, after at, the- right after the late morning break.
0: Yeah, wonderful.
1: There's a guy who does a presentation, and then she says, okay, we're going to take a 20-minute break, and then we've got <laughs> entertainment for you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. These are people who are out of the office for the day. They're IT people, environmental people. If any anybody's worked for a big corporation, you know that their voicemail box is flooded. They're, they're responding to emails. Oh, so they're spending that whole break yeah. trying to get in touch with all these people. So 20 minutes isn't happening. <laughs> After 30 minutes, she has to go okay. down and corral all these people <laughs> to get back in. So they're behind schedule. So I finally get on stage and the first five minutes goes great. But guess what happens then? <laughs> she scheduled me right before lunch and because of the long break and getting everybody back, that bled into lunch. And for a lot of these people, this is their first meal of the day. Yeah. So when the food comes out, the show is over. <laughs> there's, there's nothing you could do. Everything I told this woman not to do, oh, they my. did. And it was just, it was a nightmare.
0: Yeah, those are bad, man. I've done a few of those and uh, nightmare. And then, you know, the college one where they, where they, you know, people hear college gigs for comics are great. And, uh, you know, you could be in the evening in the theater, but it's, It's lunchtime in the student center when kids are trying to study. Yeah, they're trying to study or write their essay, and you're trying to tell your jokes. They couldn't
1: give two craps about what they say. And then how are they going to relate to your your kid humor about your kids? (laughs) You know? The person person I'm shitting on is only 10 years older than you people, (laughs) or 10 years younger. Yeah,
0: well, it's. You know, comedy is a, a thing that people who are in comics think they know how it'll go. You yeah. know, we'll put this, sh- I'll put this show together. I'm going to make an agenda. It's going to be fantastic.
1: Yeah. We're going to go from let's, this to that, and it's
0: going to be wonderful.
1: Let's flip the interview role here. Let me ask you this. Yeah, sure. Because I think I feel differently about this than a lot of comics. Mm. If, if you're doing a show and you see a couple people out there who maybe aren't laughing, mm. And you can tell that they're and eh, they're just not in you. Yeah. Does that bother you? Do you focus?
0: on that? I sort of. Well, I mean, I guess I think by default, I'm a little bit trying to not focus on any particular people. There's certainly venues where you can't miss the people. You know what I mean? I sort of tell my students at the Comedy Castle, I say, stare at the candles. Because you're making eye contact with people and yet you're not, you're not really looking at them, but you're sort of making that fake. eye can, but yeah, I mean, I think it would, I think it would throw me off. I don't know, but I, I certainly would not be a person to work harder on those people. I would not yeah. try to win them over. Right. Yeah. I think I just let them be and try to win everybody else over and see if they come around, but I, I don't know. Is am I wrong? Um, What's what, what, what did I, no, how did I, how did I, I do?
1: <laughs> I, I, um, I gave up on those people a long time okay, ago. Okay, that's good. I think that's good. I think you know, at a certain point, and maybe it was that fifteen-year point in my career. Mm. You just sort of accept the fact you're never gonna you're never gonna get everybody. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you get most of the people, you're you're doing pretty good.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had an argument once with a booker, and this was the argument. You tell me where you fall on that. I mean, I'm going to give you where I fall, and. Maybe this isn't right. I don't know. Maybe my opinions changed over the years, but I would say I would go into places that would have, you know, less than a dozen people, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not a comedy club or like a chaplains, but, you know, a bar restaurant, small town. And I, and I would do my jokes that I would do at the comedy castle or anywhere else. They wouldn't laugh at the jokes and I would run through my set and do my time and say goodnight. And that was the set. Mm-hmm. the booker said to me, you need to do more than you're set to win those people over. You need to talk to them. You need to win them over. You need to engage them. You need to go out in the crowd. You need to do this. And I go, well, that's not what I do. It's not my style. I tell jokes. I think the mm-hmm. jokes are good. They laugh most nights. When you have, you know, a dozen people there, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm like, where is the blame here? Is it on me? Is it on the venue for not having a crowd? Uh, where do you Where do you stand on that?
1: I think if that's if that's what that booker or that club owner is looking for, then yeah. find those acts. Yeah, You've maybe what I do. And if it's not if it's not what works here, then don't book me. Yeah. You know, well, I'm not they- going to change my act for these 12 people.
0: Yeah. Well, the answer you know? is he didn't book me after
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not convince him to my side of the plan. Uh, but yeah, and that's why I say maybe maybe um. My attitude would change now with some yeah. seasoning and some perspective and just go, uh, it maybe it's okay that they don't laugh. You know, I guess my ego was to a point where I go, these are good jokes, and if you don't get them, you're 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 an idiot or whatever. Yeah. And then I just go, okay, maybe I will just talk to you. Like maybe I don't need to tell all of these jokes every single night, mm-hmm. which I used to sort of feel. He's yeah. sort to of feel like no, I got to play this. You know, like sort from of feeling like a band, like I got to play all the hits tonight, right. whether you like them or not. I'm
1: playing them. I'm doing classic <laughs> fragmenting for you, <laughs> right? I tell you, let me tell you this: one of the best lessons in comedy I've ever gotten actually happened at the castle many, okay. many years ago. I was featuring for Kevin Meany. God rest his soul. Oh, he yeah, he was away. the he was great. I was featuring for Kevin Meaney. Now, if you've seen Kevin, Kevin would blow the roof off the place. He was absolutely hilarious. However, this one weekend, there was one crowd that just for whatever reason just didn't get him. And uh, it did. Now, rather than alter his show and change course or try a different direction, Kevin just went full committal into what he always does (laughs) and (laughs) basically treated the crowd like you know, tough shit, you know, you gonna sit through it, whether you like it or not, but this is the way it's going. for yeah, the whole show. There you go. And just complete commitment and just went through it. And, and, and it was beautiful. And uh, never really got that crowd, but just kind of went, eh, well, you're here. I'm here. This is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, you can leave.
0: You know, I was not at that show, but I can hear him doing that. You know, in yeah. my head, knowing oh. him and seeing his act as much as I did. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was fantastic.
1: Love that very guy. Fun. Love yep. that guy.
0: Sad. That's another. It's another sad guy that died in comedy.
1: Yeah, He's pretty young too. Yeah, I think he was in his fifties. Yeah. I think. What's well, young? I don't have to look it up. Yep, it's young. Yeah. It's
0: young for a regular person. For a comedian,
1: maybe, and a comic. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're making it sound like you know, as this in this occupation. That's that boy. That's, I don't know, good.
0: man. That's I I've, I've got uh, you know. I was sitting around and. uh, you know, a Geechee guy who was a friend passed away. A lot of people might know Geechee from Star Search and America's Got Talent stuff. And and I was looking back, you know, I had interviewed him on my other podcast with Corey Hall, and I'm looking at these photos and I go, There's three of us in these photos, and I'm the only one still alive. Oh man. And it bums you out.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, look at my age fifty five. Yeah. You know, I feel very fortunate and I'm I'm very healthy. But I I, I just went to the funeral about six months ago. I went to a, a the funeral of a guy who was 2 years behind me in high school. Wow. You know? Yeah. And uh it's, it's happening. It's
0: happening. But that's why people need to get to the Comedy Castle.
1: Yep. For Dave Dyer this weekend.
0: Yes. It's going to be a good time.
1: Thursday, right? What time's the show Thursday well, is? It Thursday,
0: Thursday 7... is a 7:30 show.
1: 7:30. Okay, 30 7:30. Seven <laughs> fifteen and one on seven fifteen and
0: nine forty five on Friday. Seven nice. PM and nine thirty on Saturday. Got it. Yeah, it should be fun. You got Ken Whitzkill with you this weekend.
1: What's that? Ken Whitzkill. Oh, Ken Whitzk. And then Mike Bustler from yeah. Grand Rapids. Okay. I, I, I don't know Michael, but uh yep. tell us about Michael. Well, Michael's a very funny guy. He's uh he's of the younger generation. Uh I, I'm you know, I don't know why I'm stating that, but he is <laughs> he's of the younger generation and he, he's a very funny guy. He gets on stage a lot here. He's produced some shows here in Grand nice. Rapids and he gets after it.
0: And so that West the West Michigan comedy scene is always hustling. Yes. We're I'm coming impressed. over like The Beatles and the Dave Clark Five. are
1: going to infiltrate the Comedy Castle. We'll
0: end on this. Is there a rivalry between the West Michigan comedy scene and the East Michigan comedy scene? Is there a
1: rivalry? Not that that I know of, but you know what? I'm not a confrontational person. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. Here's what I say. I don't care what side of the state you're from. Just get on stage and be as funny as All you can right. be. All right,
0: that's fair. I think we're nice to you and Deggy and whoever. You know. Yeah, very Stew nice. Stu and these guys, yeah.
1: I never feel like it's. Uh, I get any bad treatment.
0: So I feel good. But if I go to Dr. Grin's, look out. Look out. <laughs> Have you
1: heard about Fragamani? He's got an open wound
0: down his belly. Fucking. It's, Fra- it's Fragameni's last show. Can we book him at Doctor Grin's? <laughs> you know that's our A room, so maybe not. And uh... <laughs> yeah, we'll put him in the belly room. Yeah, what's it? We've got a <laughs> we got a one nighter with six people. You can go do that one. <laughs> on yeah. All right, Dave. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend. It's going to be a great time. Thanks for talking to me, dude. Thanks, Joe. There we'll he see is. We'll see the, you soon. The king, the number one guest on this show, David Dunn. Yes. Thank you, Dave. All right, appreciate it. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye bye. -bye. Well, that's another one. And I've used this line before where I go, I could talk to that guy all day. I could talk to that comedian all day about comedy and never get bored. Dave Dyer, one of the best. And again, four times on the show. I think that's the record, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So (laughs) but people are coming on. Maybe they'll top that number. It could happen. But you see why you listen to that interview. You know why we have him on. You know why he's at the club, because he's one of the very best. And speaking of the very best, uh, I said I did want to tell you about uh, kind of a sad thing going on right now in comedy. One, uh, and I, when I say the very best, I don't just throw that around. But uh, one of the best guys in comedy and one of the best comedians is a fellow named Tim Finkel. He's been a guest on this show uh, I helped him out early in his comedy career. He took my comedy class, thought he was super talented, nice guy, has had a lot of success. Uh, unfortunately, Tim's son, Ryder, who is, I believe, seven years old, uh, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor uh, in the past week. And there is a GoFundMe fundraiser uh, for Ryder Finkel's Journey. Uh, I have donated. And if you would like to help, uh, I will put a link to the GoFundMe on our website at comedycastlepodcast.com uh, right there at the, uh, the bottom in the description of uh, today's show with Dave Dyer. I'll put that in there. Uh, Tim's a great guy. Everybody loves him. And uh, you know, I, I'm on the GoFundMe page now. They have met their goal uh, and they did that relatively quickly, but you know, there, there's a, there's more that you can give and there's more to make, uh, make uh, his remaining days on this planet. Uh, good ones. And uh, I I love that my Facebook feed was just comedians sharing the GoFundMe and telling stories of Tim and, and how much they love him because we do. And uh, I'm going to end this show before I cry too much more than I think I am right now just thinking about it. But, Tim, if you're listening, uh, just I want you to know that I love you. The comedy community uh, loves you. And uh, we're, we're doing the best we can for you and your family at this time. So, with that said, I'm going to say goodnight. Thanks for listening to the Comedy Castle. We'll catch you next time. Bye bye.